Welcome to the Creation Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth King. Together, we'll have conversations with incredible human beings who have taken their creative outlet and turned it into something innovative. From people leaving the corporate world to be eight-figure entrepreneurs, to people who have created books, created a family, or just creating to have fun in the world. We are all in a journey to create something amazing in our lives, and I hope that you find some inspiration of your own here. This is the Creation Innovation Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Creation Innovation. Today, we have another fellow BUP life coach to watch in 2023 by Entrepreneur Magazine, Lisa Hayshaw. Welcome, Lisa. Hi. So good to be here. I'm just going to start off with her bio. She is a television host, a mother, an entrepreneur, personal coach, author, cultural researcher, world traveler, motivational speaker, corporate keynote, and spiritual healer. She has traveled to over 80 countries to learn from people on their terms, including in boardrooms, yurts, caves, American, South American jungles, ancient cities, prisons, and orphanages, leveraging these learnings and her education. Holding a master's in spiritual psychology, Lisa packaged her unique methodology into her best-selling soul-blazing book, helping thousands worldwide to live more purposeful, authentic lives. Wow, what a bio, Lisa. Thank you for being here. Of course. Thank you. Um, so are you a Santa Monica, University of Santa Monica spiritual? Yeah, are you? I am not, but I know a lot of people that are. Um, it's kind of one of the very few that, and living in LA, of course, I feel like it's a direct correlation. Um, gosh, all of this I want to know so much more about. So let's start with the spiritual healer, because that's what's popping out to me right now. Can, tell us a little bit about how you integrate that into your business. Well, I believe in nature. Nature is the biggest healer. So we could think our way out of a lot of stuff and it could be wonderful, but I think the true way of really healing, and I think so many of us need it right now and we need to stay on top of our A game with that. I start out every morning smiling. You wake up and you just say, okay, just smile. Not, oh my God, the alarm went off or I'm late or ah, 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 I've got this to do, this to do. Let me scroll. What's going on? Is our world blowing up? You smile. And what that does is it's just saying, I woke up today. You may not wake up tomorrow. You don't get to see the people who you love or hug someone one last time. So I smile. Then what I do is I send a little message to somebody I love and care about. So I give back. I kind of do a mind, body, heart, soul. And then I studied with Sadhguru and I do his uh, Madra Mudra Kriya meditation. And that's 21 minutes to 30 minutes a day, depending on if you want to elongate it or not. And what that does, it's so grounding and it detoxifies the body. It expands your lungs and then you're ready to conquer the day. So whatever happens, it's like, who cares? Nothing matters and everything matters, but nothing really matters. The thing is that you're, you know, alive and well and living in this moment in the present now. What an amazing morning routine. That's, yeah. I mean, it feels like getting up and starting the day that way. I mean, how could, how can anything go sideways when you're starting out that way? I think that's amazing. And what a good lesson for all of us. Even if you could, the only thing you take away is the smile. I think that's such, you know, such a small thing, but makes such a big ripple effect in our lives to, to start that way. 
Yes, you can't be depressed if you're smiling. Yes, uh, and you're also a mother. How how yes. uh, how old are your children? What type, male, female, in between? What do you have that way? And how how was your? Yeah, we. It's a funny conversation to have these days, but yes, um, we don't want to leave anybody out. Yes. <laughs> um, but how is that for you as an entrepreneur and being a mom? Well, it's been wonderful. I have a 15-year-old daughter and my whole journey with her since she was two, we've traveled to 20 countries together. Wow. And we lived in Egypt. We lived in Barcelona, well, Cairo, by Barcelona. We stayed in Bali and Singapore for a couple months. We stayed in Costa Rica for a couple months. We lived in Naperville. And we moved to Barcelona for a semester of school. And she's been all these other countries for about two weeks, two and a half weeks, you know, 10 days, that kind of thing. And it has been such a beautiful journey as a mom to be able to include um, your child, whether boy or girl, into your work. Because all I do, I was doing this speak, play, pray tour in six countries in Europe. So I speak for what, three hours, or I do a, in some countries like in Israel and Berlin, I, I do a two day, like three hours and three hours, like workshop. And I bring her and she gets to be exposed to all these great minds and all the big speaking gigs with panels of wonderful women or both sex panels, different speakers. She's sitting there listening and I give, she's an artist. So I give her, uh, since she was two, I just gave her a scrapbook or stuff, said that, write thank you notes to everyone who's here. So that kept her busy. And then she'd stand by the door, have to pass them out. So I go, what's going on? How are you? Mom, I'm busy. You know, oh, I've got lots to do. So always gave her something, but she was taking in everything. So today she is um, an incredible communicator and conflict resolution person, you know? She's learned so much on the along the way, it sounds. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. When she gets in an argument with a friend, when the friend's going, you did this, or no, you did this, blah, blah, blah. She, she goes, Mom, I, I wrote a letter. Do you need help with that? She goes, no. I said, let me see what you're writing. You know, dear friend, you know, I'm so sorry that we're having this conflict. You know how much I love you. And I remember the good times we had. These are some of my favorite times Aww. with you. And I'm sorry that you feel this or, you know, this rubbed you the wrong way, whatever. But I hope we can mend this and become friends again. Would you like to speak? You know, it's just like, That's so what? That's I'm like, so what did you do? She goes, I don't think I did anything, but she thinks I did. So I want to talk. That's my main principle. So I don't have to be who's right, who's wrong, because I want to have a conversation. If I hurt her, even if it wasn't my fault and she thinks it is, it doesn't matter. And I'm just like okay, that's good. I have no comment. Wow. <laughs> Go keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. That's so cool. I hope that, you know, I do have this belief that as a collective, the children that are coming up now have a deeper consciousness for, for others and the world in general. But um, she sounds like the perfect poster child for that, especially with all of her intake of learning subconsciously from being around the world in different countries. That's really amazing that you've been mm -hmm. able to have that opportunity with her. So when you've been on the road doing these speaking engagements, tell us a little bit about those. Were you always speaking on one thing? I know you're a life coach as well. Were you coaching through that? What, 
tell us about those speaking gigs. Well, I never set out to be a speaker or an author. Um, I was actually very depressed because I was quitting the entertainment business. And then I thought this, that's what I was going to do. And I decided to quit because of a number of reasons, mainly Me Too stuff. And mm -hmm. this was back in the day. So I attempted for a couple of years. And then I decided to go to Iraq to find my roots because that's where my um, father is from. Okay. So I saw Christiane Anapur. Do you know who she is? Yes. She's a yes. newscaster, a brilliant. Um, she's my favorite. And she was talking about the Iraq war, Desert Storm. And she said that um, there's a no-fly zone. You have to drive a bus from Jordan to Iraq to get to Iraq. And I thought, oh, my God, that's a great thing to do because she said it stopped five times and sometimes it's dangerous and they'll kidnap Americans for ransom. And I thought I could go on that bus and get kidnapped. And then I could, with my skills, I could, um, you know, train them to, from being a terrorist to a humanitarian. We could co-write this book. Wow. And <laughs> then I could get on CNN and then I could become a war reporter. And I said, that's more exciting than acting. Cause you're actually like acting, but not, <laughs> you know, you're like in this foreign land and reporting of all this. And that sounds really exciting, but I didn't want to go back to school and do all the works. So I go, this is a kind of a shortcut. And my uncle, um, no Saddam Hussein and a lot of Saddam's cabinet when they came to the United States stayed at his house. So I thought that was in my back pocket. So I thought if anything happens, I think I would get rescued. So I had that going for me, but still this was before ISIS became a thing. Al Qaeda became a thing. Right. So it wasn't in the news like that. So I thought, Oh, there's just some nice guy who's a little lonely and needs some money. I didn't think of it as what it actually was. So I got a fake Louis Vuitton backpack. I got cubic zirconia. So when they came to me, Oh, my diamonds are falling from my uncle, <laughs> you know, Najib, Oh, let me put that away. And nobody hurt me. Just, Oh, Salam Alaikum. Peace be upon you. I'm like, okay. Wow. So I get to the Al Rashid hotel and because uh, that's where all the that's where Christiane went and all the journalists, I said, take me to the Al Rashid. And I visited all over Iraq. And then I ended up going to Tilkef, my dad's little town that's all caves, houses together. And they slept on the rooftops because it was so hot. And all they had was a like a restaurant, a grocery store, a school um, and a church and an orphanage. And I went into that orphanage. And I just got obsessed with these kids. They were so sweet. And they're like, why is America hurting us? Why are they doing oh. this and that? And that's what started my journey. Because I started talking to them. They said, no one cares. I said, I'm memorializing your words. I care. I'm like, how am I going to do that? So I ended up the next five years traveling to 15 orphanages and talking with the kids, staying there and doing whatever. And that ended up being this book, Whispers from Children's Hearts. Oh, wow. And then when I moved to Barcelona a couple of years later, I gave it free to schools and libraries and just, oh, let me go talk in my daughter's class and let me just, you know, little cute little things with second and third graders or fifth graders. 
And then it picked up and it picked up. Then the mayor of Barcelona comes speak for us. And I thought it was going to be like 30 people. And it was like a thousand. I'm like, no, I, I'm not a speaker. I don't do I talk to, I have a little globe and I talk to second graders about, you know, what's a fun fact about Singapore? Oh, did you know if you chew gum, you get thrown in jail? You know, that's what I'm like. No, 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 I don't. I, I, no, I don't do this. And they're like, no, but do it. We want to learn and we want to know who are, who's coming to Spain to live there and what your experience is. So they go, we want you to talk about your experience of enrolling in school here and your diet, all this stuff. And then what this book, I'm like, oh my God. So, but that turned me into a speaker because from that I got asked to speak everywhere. And I'm like, I guess I'm a speaker. And you were speaking on your experience in Iraq or just what uh, I was about or the, about the book, book. because okay. everyone had this book then because I brought like 30 copies and gotcha. I just gave it out Okay, and people were ordering it on Amazon and I'm like, oh, Jesus. Now I, it was super stressful. I'm like, this is not what I want to do. I just wanted to come and find my right. roots and figure out what I wanted to do. Right. So that, that experience with the orphanage is how I always think that that would just tear my heart up to, to be there and see these beautiful children and then have to leave. Um, how was that for you? And what, what was the biggest takeaway in those experiences of, of visiting the orphanages? Well, that's such a good question. And there's so many answers for it. I had so many takeaways. You could buy the book and find out more. <laughs> but uh, um, the main takeaways were so many of these children, their survival skills that they have. Like I said, I'm so sorry. They go, no, we're happy because I met this friend and I know this person now. And so they made these bonds and created a beautiful story around it of why they're lucky to be there. Wow. You know, even though tragedy surrounds them. Yes. And yes, they were sad. And yes, they've had a lot of pain. But I think just the ability to block a lot of that out and be present and say, but I'm happy because I have Abdul on my side. I know Adil has my back, right? You know, and Ajiba is my best friend and she knows my secrets. It just puts things into perspective, I would think, right? As far as it's their little world and whoever their security or friend is makes the world okay for them. Whereas I think my thought process going into that is, is so backwards of, it's heartbreaking for me rather than what can we bring to them to, to bring joy for them. And I know for myself with animals and babies and those sorts of things, it's been a real struggle for me to get past my own kind of sadness around those things to say, well, it's not about you and how you're feeling. It's about how you can serve and help protect and take care of these other people that are there. Um, but I also feel like even when I see those things on TV and whatnot, it just, it's so heartbreaking is the only word. And I was speaking with some people this weekend who recently adopted a baby and got very lucky to have it all happen really quickly. But then we carried that conversation that there are so many children, even in America, that have yet to be adopted. And, you know, it doesn't, they don't make it so easy as well, you know, considering the amount of children that we have also, rightfully so, there's there needs to be protections in place for the kids and whatnot. But did you find that when you were overseas in these other orphanages that they just kind of resided to the fact that they were going to be there forever? Or did they have hope that they perhaps would be getting adopted? What's the, the kind of 
notion around that for them, the children. Many of those orphans can't really get adopted because in Muslim countries, they don't allow it. Oh, especially with anyone outside the country. So some within the country can, but in within the country, everyone, almost everyone's going through turmoil and it's a lot of red tape to adopt. Why? I don't know. But this Marine who was serving in Iraq fell in love with a cerebral palsy boy and wanted to adopt this boy and fought really hard for five years. Then they ended up allowing him to take him because the boy was like 11 and cerebral palsy. Nobody would want this kid. He's like, come on, I just want to give him a home. And so I contacted that person because I read that article and it touched my heart. I'm like, I was there. I get it, you know? And I said, I want to adopt a kid from Iraq myself. So he gave me his attorney who set it all up. Then she said, it's a three to four year process. And you have to go and live there for three months, six oh, wow. months for three years and really get to know the country, his culture, his language wow. before they allow you to bring him home. So I said, okay, I can do that. And then three months later, she calls and says, oh, I have a newborn baby for you. I'm like, what are you talking about? I want a 10 or 11 year old. Um, and I wanted to be a boy because my dad had five girls and he's Iraqi and he never had his boy. Right. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my son, I needed a son. And his brother had five boys. <laughs> I'm like, I got to get my dad a son. You know, right. this will be his son. I wanted older because my dad was getting older so he could just bond right away. And then she goes, I have a newborn for you. I'm like, what are you talking about? You have a newborn for me. And then she's like, oh, you got to go meet her. This woman said you're her mom. And she's. Mm she went through three agencies where they have like 500 couples kind of like dating sites that put their bios up we want a baby and she talked to all these people and she said none of them worked and her baby's due in three months and you're the mom I'm like no she can't pawn her kid off on me but then I looked for signs what are signs and I went to a cafe and I saw all moms there with strollers and I said oh how old's your baby oh it's good it's she's going to turn one on May 24th. I'm like, ah, the kid I'm supposed to adopt is May 24th. I went to a um, wellness retreat with my mom who had cancer, a woman with long gray hair, about 80 years old was there. And I said, Oh, what do you do? And she said, I'm a, I created the psychic Institute at Berkeley at Berkeley. And at that time I was still coaching and then doing quarterly workshops at my house, bringing in interesting teachers. I said, Oh, maybe you could be a teacher. I, I said, show me what you do. And she shut her eyes and she said, you have a soap bubble on your stomach. Like you're pregnant, eight months pregnant. I'm like, Oh my God. So I told my husband, he's like, Oh, that mumbo jumbo. So we were going to the movies. I said, let's just say, what if we do? And it's a girl. What would we name her? And we came up with the name Ava, Ava Adara. And then, um, we said, go, let's go look at bassinets because they said they want us to meet. We go downstairs and we see, uh, you know, over the bassinet we wanted in block letters, Ava. Oh my goodness. We're like, oh my God. So she went to Utah to have the baby. So we flew there. Long story short, within two months of saying, I want a baby, we had a baby. Wow. So I ended up adopting my daughter. Amazing. Yeah. Through this journey. That is so incredible. it was just like, Yeah. All, all things were meant to be there, obviously. Yeah. And what you were saying earlier about it shouldn't be about you. It should be about them. Um, that's interesting because what I do, and then I started holding retreats every year, like in Tanzania, Jordan, um, with SOS and um, other places too, all over Bali, Singapore, Costa Rica. Um, 
we all, I would have everyone bring a suitcase and it had to be a thing from their whole town, hometown. So I'm like Hollywood. So I brought Hollywood t-shirts and pencils and all that stuff. And then we gave it to the kids and they were so excited and medicines yeah. and stuff like that to get something. Right. You don't just walk in there and go, hi, da, da, da. You're like, here, Santa Claus is here. And they're yeah. like, oh my God, stuff, Polaroid oh, cameras, giving them film and Polaroid Aww. cameras. They never, some of them never seen a picture of themselves. Right. So you take it, they're That's like, wow, amazing. magic. Yeah. That's so fun. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your book, Soul Blazing. Tell us a, yeah. a bit about that. Beautiful. This is, this is so fun. Um, this book is a, kind of a game changer for you. It really was inspired through my acting classes at Lee Strasberg, where you have to build a character, however you're playing, and you have to dig in the past and see who you are. And then you build this character to play a role. And then I was also studying at the Groundlings, which you probably know what that is, but it's yeah. like Second City, Saturday Night Live type skits. You have to build this whole character and do these little skits in that character. So I think the combination of those I had under my belt when I started my master's program. And when I'm working with people, I'd always say, you know, well, if you weren't you, how would you handle the situation? Or how would your mom handle it? Or how would your sister or your friend or stuff like that, or let's role play that. Let's play the good guy and the bad guy. And I would see their personalities would be so different. And I started doing a study of just writing down, you know, I've seen over God, 5,000 people. So you write down their name. And at the end I go, what is causing their issue? Then, oh, they're a victim. My mom was an alcoholic. My dad was dead by this time. I never got a break. I was homeless at this time. I, you know, whatever, or I was just never smart. I was never born smart, whatever it is, my mm -hmm. sister, my cousin, my whatever happened. And, um, someone's an overthinker, they over procrastinate. So they never get it done. They, you know, the fixer, let me focus on other people and not myself. Cause it's easier to help someone else succeed. So all these different characteristics Then I looked at them and found the seven that had the most, so I put those in the book. So there's lots of them, but I thought the seven core are here, which is like the fixer, seducer, the egotist, the overthinker. Um, so all of these, so this book, I tried to make it as simple as possible. And I just have it in a couple of sections. Um, part one is superpowers or saboteurs, because each imposter you could use as a superpower, like from one to five, if you have it under control, kind of like a pit bull, if it's trained, they're the most loving, fabulous animals and protective. But if they're not in control, they could bite you or someone else easily or another dog. So you got to put your imposters on a leash and train them. Otherwise, they run you. I say they, they live on the stage of your brain, making all your decisions for you. And then I started reading about schizophrenia mm -hmm. and all the different personalities in them and how there's dominant ones and ones that are more there, but are, are in the background and then how they kick the person out of the way where they don't even know it. Some people went and raped people and they didn't even know they raped anyone because their imposter was doing it, that other self, that other personality. So imposters are a light version of that. Not, okay. you know, so it's like, what is an imposter? What is the authentic soul? Cause that's where you want to get to. That goes back to my meditation stuff, getting tuned into who are you before you start your day. So you can handle any situation. Then part two is a brief description, you know, 10, 15 pages on each imposter. And I end it with um, tools and exercises that you could do at home. Amazing. So is it a type of thing where 
each person has all these aspects and and we work through that or is are you do you find yourself in kind of one or two of them it depends i think a lot of people have all of them but at different levels and some are healthy you know like uh, you doing this podcast is your egotist but a healthy version because you're saying i'm good enough to do this and i'm going to do it and i'm smart and i i got my act together but the bad part would be if you're bad mouthing other podcasts or you're or you're trying to hurt someone else so you could get to a better place. See what okay. I'm saying? And then so it gives you the tools of how to work through whatever aspect it is that you're kind of dealing with from that perspective. Yeah, if your imposter is sabotaging you in whatever way, then you go, oh, let me shine the spotlight on this one. Then you start seeing things going, oh, wow, that would be fall into that category. That would fall into that category. Then, then I say name it. Once you uh, name it, you could claim it. So it's like, oh my God, my aunt so-and-so gave me that. My mom gave me that one. My dad gave me this one. My friend gave me that one. That bully at school gave me that one. So then you could go, oh, okay, I see where that wound came, where I have a hole in my heart and I don't know how to love or trust, you know, and I ruin sabotage relationships because I get so scared and going, oh, that's because this person left me because my dad left me. And then this person, you know, whatever you tie it together. Right. So you say, okay. You don't have control over me anymore. And I give exercises of writing a letter you, your authentic soul and your imposter, your authentic soul and your imposter answering back and forth. Why did you do this to me? Why did you ruin this? Oh, because of blah, blah, blah. And you know, you go back and forth and it's like amazing self-therapy. It sounds amazing. And sounds like to, I, before you use the word therapy, that it's going to save you money from going to therapy because you can kind of really you work through it yourself at your own time and your own pace and really yeah. dig in a little bit deeper. Um, yeah. Because I think, I mean, even using the word imposter is generally used and when people are entrepreneurs and do they have this imposter syndrome and how that works, but it also shows up in different areas in your life, even if you're not an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. but you don't just don't recognize to put that term associated with things really, yes. right? It's not a, a common buzzword as it is in entrepreneurship. Um, and so I, I think that's a magnificent way to be able to have people not only self-regulate their own emotions and thoughts and feelings, but also to have the tools, which I'm such a big fan of because it's one thing to learn about it, but then what do you do about it, right? So that yes. you can actually stop having those same recurring thoughts in your mind for the 20 plus years about whatever or whoever did you wrong and, and whatnot, you know? Yeah. That's great. How long, like what, how long did it take you to birth this book and come up and create all of this? Was this something that you had in your mind for many years or was it a download that you got that was, you know, right away and here it came to life? Tell us a little bit about that process for you. Well, it's, it was a download when I was in prison, um, as coaching lifers at Chowchilla prison and I got a bully in the prison and she just wanted nothing to do with me saying, who are you? And how can you even begin to relate to my life or my experiences? You think you're going to come in and change me. I've been in here for 23 years. I've seen a hundred of you, you know, from priests and coaches and right. therapists and workshops. And so, you know, I, and she goes, and I hate your stupid briefcase. Cause I carried this black briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> while, I, while we're at it. <laughs> I thought she went off on me. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, so at least we have something in common. I hate it too. I brought this here to impress you, but it's not my style either. Obviously it's not. So we started talking and hanging out and um, 
then I got to the root of her doing some of the soul blazing method instead of being a therapist. And she ended up crying and saying, Lisa, you just blazed my soul. And I went, whoa, what? And um, that's long story short, the story's in the book. But um, it was so beautiful. And I said, look, you said you have nothing left to give. So that's why you're so angry and the bully in the prison. You just gave me the name for my therapy. That'll change so many people's lives. And I said, thank you so much. And I gave her tools to better her life. And within six months, she raised about, I think, $75,000 for battered women using the payphone because I told her she could be an angel instead of the devil of the prison. And this is how and whatever. Wow, it was what just... an incredible, incredible, incredible story. Yeah, yeah. And that just blew me away. So I said, I dedicate this to you and I dedicate the name and this is all about you. So it was just wonderful. And it was like, wow, if I could turn her around, what can I do to the normal person who just has, you know, I am afraid to shine because what if someone criticizes me? What do I do with that person, you know, and help them just get to the next level? Wow. Well, I'm so excited to read it. How can people not only find your books, but also work with you and find you and follow you? Tell us that. On my website, soulblazing.com. And also I'm on Instagram, YouTube, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, all the typical sites. And I, I only do one-on-one -on -one with a handful of people. And I only do it to find your core issues, then give you tools to correct it. Then I send you on your way. If you wanted the long-term, like 10-year therapist thing, that's not me. So I just do like the core in eight sessions. You're good to go. You could go on your own, but if you want help, I'll give you the names of other therapists that you can work I with. I love that. That's always, yeah. I met a therapist recently at an event and she said, I have people that are with me for 10 years and I'm thinking to myself, to me, that's a bad sign. You know, I, the best case scenario is we help people and they are on their way. So I love that you point that out because that really is key. And for anybody to kind of tell you otherwise, I think you need to reflect back on yourself as to why you wouldn't feel the need to be doing that and continue on to kind of stay stuck in that story or whatever it is that you're saying that. So I love that you really point that out, Lisa. Thank you so much for your time here today. I can't wait to pick up both of these books and learn more about your story and help to blaze my own soul and learn, <laughs> learn more. <laughs> Thank you so much, Elizabeth. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Creation Innovation Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify for free episodes and subscribe to the Creation Innovation Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to get your podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Yes, we actually do send out gifts. It's my favorite thing to do. So visit us at elizabethking.com backslash creation innovation for more information on how to enter. Every review counts and we are so grateful. You can follow me at the official Elizabeth King on Instagram or TikTok. Until next time.